Hey, homies. I'm Katie. I'm Sydney. And this is Something Sick. It's a it's a daytime recording, which is rare. Yeah. And a day later than we normally yeah, record. Yeah, so it feels kind of weird. Sydney's mom came to town, so. We had a nice little visit. Shout out to my mom, um, because she inspired the Amityville episode last oh, yeah. week, and I did not give her a shout out, and I was shamed for that. So, shout out to my mom. <laughs> Go Sue. <laughs> but, anyway, yeah. Very fun. Played yeah. Lots of you. Oh, we, we played one game. <laughs> for a long for time. For a long time. <laughs> it was um, fun. Yeah. Anything else that we needed to talk about? Mm, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Anyways, it's a couple weeks away from our one year anniversary. Yeah, it is. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. February. Like 14th, 15th-ish kind of. It wasn't on Valentine's. Maybe it was It was supposed to be on Valentine's Day. And I think because we it was our first one, it uploaded kind of late. So the 15th. So it was the 15th technically, but we tried to upload it on Valentine's. Because that was a Sunday. Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. You guys can be on the lookout. Nothing special is happening. <laughs> it's just going to be our one year. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have a party. Just us. <laughs> Woo. Maybe my sister. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Shout out. Yeah. But yeah, it's wild. We got uh, some good ones coming up too. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Sydney starts a new job tomorrow. So I do. <laughs> if things are a little, and things are going to be a little hectic in our lives the next few weeks. So there might be some late or early like uploads just kind of all over the place. I feel like, but yeah, we just have lives. How dare we? That are insanely busy for the next, like, three But, or like, weeks. maybe if you guys, like, blow up this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we can quit our lives. So we could, like, commit more time. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, those are the general updates. Yeah. Are we so, ready? I think we're ready. I'm excited. What an interesting word for not, you to Yeah, do. like, not excited, but, like, let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. It's a very confusing. Yeah. So today we're talking about the murder of Lacey Peterson. Yes. Which is so interesting to me about, like, I don't know, everything about it is very strange. And yeah. It's easy to go back and forth and like. Yes, absolutely. It's one of those like controversial ones where mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know totally what I believe. Yeah. But. I think I I kind of know what I believe now, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm still like, I'm not 100%, mm-hmm. but it had some recent updates, so. Okay. Well, fill me in. Okay. So talk a little bit, a little bit about Lacey's background. Okay. I didn't research Scott Peterson, really. That's fine. He but doesn't we'll really about deserve it. it. <laughs> no. So Lacey Denise Roca, I'm going to say, I think that's how you said their last name, was born on May 4th, 1975 to Sharon and Dennis Roca. Rocha, not sure. I don't know. Something. Um, they owned a dairy farm near Escalon. Escalon, not sure. People, if anyone, no one's going to care, but... <laughs> There's some things that I'm going to cool. mispronounce Great. Um, in California. And Lacey had a brother named Brent who was about four years older than her. And I think later on she got a younger sister. Mm-hmm. And because we're going to talk about her, but like I didn't see anything about her sister and like her background information that I was like reading about. And then it was like her her sister. And I was like, when did... Is she like much younger or was she like I don't a half sister like, or something? Or like I think she's a, she's a half sister, okay. I think. But it's not... I don't think she's, like, significantly okay. younger. I was just curious. Yeah, I don't know. Um, cool. Yeah. So, Lacey liked, when she was, like, little, little, like, less than two years old, mm-hmm. she liked to help her family on the farm and garden, which led her to, like, really love plants as she got older. Mm-hmm. 
Lacey's parents, Sharon and Dennis, divorced when she was really young, like younger than two. So yeah. like when she was like a baby. And then Sharon took Lacey and Brent to Modesto, California. And they would still visit the farm since their dad was there. And like, mm-hmm. yeah. that was what their life was like. I don't think there was any like bad blood Good. between cool. them that I saw. Mm-hmm. That could be incorrect. But so sometime later... Not much later, though. Uh, Sharon remarried to a guy named Ron Gransky, and he was, like, very active in their lives. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that's who their sister's dad is. Okay. And I think he came around, like, when Lacey was around two years old and Brent was around six. Okay. Um, Lacey went on to go to high school and everything. She went to Thomas Downey High School and she did cheerleading. And then she went to college at California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo, California. And she majored in ornamental horticulture. Huh. Cool. Didn't even know that was a thing, but it is. It's like pretty plants. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I'm assuming that's what I think that means. So in college, one of Lacey's friends worked at a place called the Pacific Cafe and Lacey liked to go visit her friend. Mm -hmm. And this is how she met Scott Peterson because he was a coworker Mm -hmm. of her friend. Of her friend. Okay. Of her friend. Yeah. Lacey didn't work there. Her friend did, but that's how she met Scott. Okay. Uh, The two met in the middle of 1994 and Lacey actually made the first move. She gave her number to Scott and I am proud of her. Yeah. I could not do that. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I'm very proud of her for that. Yeah. I mean, mm, yeah. But still. Yes, at first, yeah. Um she told her mom like right after that she met the man she was going to marry. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine <laughs> that. The confidence to do that. Yeah. She must have been I mean, she was a cheerleader, so yeah. I hope she's like confident in herself. Yeah. I feel like most of them seem like it at least. I aspire to be that confident yeah. in myself. I don't think that will happen. <laughs> <laughs> in a time frame that you would want it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> As okay. someone who also doesn't think that would happen for themselves. <laughs> okay. And who knows you very well. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> but Okay. okay. Continue. You know, like some people on our podcast are like, oh, stop it. And we're both like, I'll tear you down if I need to. <laughs> That's true friendship. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Scott eventually called Lacey and took her on their first date. And their first date was deep sea fishing. Um, uh, yeah, she got seasick. <laughs> I was going to say, I would never. No, nope, that sounds like a terrible first that date. That sounds like, that sounds like a murder. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Can't imagine. If someone said that to me, like, want to go on a first date? And then said, want to go deep sea fishing? It's like, want to go on a first date? Yeah, I would love to. Deep sea fishing? No. no. I actually don't want to go out with you anymore, nope, actually. it's over. Before it started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scott had a dream of becoming a pro golfer. Okay. Is that a word? Golfer? golfer? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I like that was correct. Okay. Um, but it, I guess it is. But as he and Lacey got a bit more serious, he decided to like focus on the business path of school and like mm-hmm. decided that was a bit more stable. Yeah. Um, Scott and Lacey then dated for about two years and then eventually moved in together. And this at this time, Lacey got a job in Prunedale, California to be close to Scott as he was finishing up his senior year of college. I think she was still in school, okay. but I think she like got a job on mm-hmm. the side. Um, around this time, according to prosecutors later, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, <laughs> there's prosecutors involved. Um, Scott started having his first affair. Scott. The identity and details of this other person have never been like given, revealed. like okay. revealed. Yeah. So people don't know who 
It's just like around that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't, I don't think people are sure exactly how many affairs he's had, but they're, he they're probably sure doesn't even know how people, many affairs he's had. They're pretty sure, like, they know of two. Okay. At least. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think Lacey knew about this. Well, yeah. Because after she graduated, she married Scott on August 9th, 1997. So oh. they got married. They had their wedding at Sycamore Mineral Springs Resort in Avila Valley. That is a name of a resort. It so is. Long. That is a name. <laughs> that is a name. So 1997. Um, Scott Peterson graduated in June 1998 with a Bachelor of Science degree in agricultural business. And after that, he and Lacey opened up a sports ball bar. So they both okay. studied like plants and then and they're then- like, let's open a bar. Okay. And the bar is called The Shack. Okay. And it was in San Luis Obispo. But that was our life for a little bit. Cool. And then in October 2000, so a couple years later, the Petersons decided they wanted to move to Modesto, California. So they bought a three-bedroom, two-bath home on Covina Avenue. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. For $177,000, which is about 287000 today. Still seems like pretty it's cheap. It's for- terrible, yeah. And I think they were like in a pretty nice neighborhood. Hmm. Modesto... If people don't know, I didn't know exactly where. It's kind of near San Francisco, San Jose, and Sacramento. So I feel like those areas also yeah. aren't cheap. I don't mm-hmm. know. I was just like, well. Not known to be a cheap area. You no. Know? <laughs> yeah. So eventually they sold the shack because they were moving. Okay. And they did that in April 2001. We were alive at this point. I know. This case, like, I always feel like it was so long ago. Like, yeah. I don't know why I we were babies with being, like, a really long time ago. And it's not really. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is 20 years ago, but oh, still. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Man, we're old. Okay. As people listen to this and they're like, yeah. wow, shut up. <laughs> so, Okay. <laughs> I needed to refocus. Um, Scott then, after they moved, got settled in. He got a job at a new subsidiary of a European fertilizer company called TradeCore USA. And he started to make like $60,000 a year. Okay. And Lacey got a job as a substitute teacher okay. around the same time. Uh, Lacey's mom and younger sister, I'm pretty sure her name is Amy. And I, I wrote it down later, but uh, yeah, Amy. Okay. Um. They said that Lacey was constantly striving to like be the perfect housewife and she liked to entertain and cook and she was just like, she wanted to be like, yeah, she wanted to be perfect, which I get. Mm-hmm. Actually, that would not be me. I wouldn't need to be the perfect housewife. Yeah. But it makes sense. She seems like a nice person. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in 2002, the Petersons found out that Lacey was pregnant. And her mm-hmm. due date was February 10th, 2003. Um, Scott and Lacey wanted to name their son Connor. So that's the baby's name. Okay. So in November 2002, Lacey was seven months pregnant and Scott met Amber Frey. <laughs> she was a massage therapist that his friend introduced him to. And why is his friend introducing him yeah, to a massage therapist? I don't know. Okay. Uh, and statements made later, Amber Frey said that Scott told her he was single and they began to have a romantic relationship. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about that like wait, like more details about oh, that yeah. later, but... That's when that happened in the timeline of all this. So the last time Scott's parents saw Lacey was the week before Christmas in 2002 when they all spent a three-day weekend together in Carmel, California. So that was the last time they saw her. When What month was that? Sorry. December, because okay. it was like yeah. a week before okay. Christmas. Cool. So on December 23rd, my birthday, <laughs> 2002, so I was already alive. 
just everyone know I was alive. I, Katie was alive. That's I important alive. to the story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Scott and Lacey went to, I think this is the name of it. It said Salon Salon. Okay. They went there at 5.45 p.m. And that's where Lacey's sister Amy worked. And actually, she might be looking at the last name now. I think she's the half sister on the dad's side. Okay. Maybe. Not sure. Cool. I didn't put that together it, in my head fine. right now. But um, she was going to do Scott's hair. It was like a monthly thing. It's so, like they're pretty close. I mean, yeah. they're a family. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think anyone was like really suspicious of like Scott cheating oh, or yeah. anything. Um, so while they were there with Amy, she told them about how she had ordered a fruit basket for her grandpa as a Christmas present. And Scott said that he could pick it up on the 24th because he was going to be in that same area playing golf. Mm -hmm. And Scott told other people in his life that he was going to be playing golf on Christmas Eve. Yeah. So that's like an important detail because I don't think he actually went golfing. Yeah. Um, Lacey then later on in the day, she talked with her mom on the phone around 830 p.m. on the 23rd. And that was the last time they spoke. Hmm. Yeah. So besides Scott, Lacey's mom and sister were the last to speak with her that anyone knows of. No one else has come forward saying they spoke to her after that. So on December 24th, Christmas Eve, Scott later told the police that he had seen Lacey around 9.30 that morning. And then he went to go fishing at Berkeley Marina. He told the police that he first went and stopped at his nearby warehouse to to send some emails and then get his boat and then head to the marina. Okay. Which I think he actually did do. Like, there's, like, time-stamped emails, and Mm -hmm. there's a receipt from the marina, like, that back up the story. And so, this is what Lacey was apparently doing, what everyone thinks she was doing. Um, She was watching a cooking show, baking cookies, about to mop the floor, getting ready for Christmas. She was going to take their dog for a walk to the park. And this was all while she was seven and a half months pregnant. Yeah. Ridiculous. Scott, you can mop the floor. Like, why is he he going... First of all, he said he was going to go golfing. He's now going out to go fishing or something. Like, he's just having the time of his life, and his very pregnant wife is mopping the floor. floor. Like, baking cookies, okay. One thing, yeah. Or, like, if you, if she likes to take the dog for a walk yeah, and, like, be on her feet, like, yeah. it's good to do that. Yeah. She does not need to be mopping, mopping the, the floor. floor and stuff. No. While, and, like, getting the house ready for Christmas. No. While he's out just doing, doing whatever, whatever he wants. wants. Yeah. yeah. On Christmas Eve. Men. So, that is... Yeah. <laughs> um, about an hour later, around 1030, a neighbor named Karen Service, Service, I'm not sure. Um, she said she found the Peterson's golden retriever named Mackenzie outside by himself. So she put him back in their backyard. Mm-hmm. This is a little like fuzzy, like yeah. there's different claims about all of this. Um, a different neighbor named Mike Chiaveda, these people's last names are killing me, um, reported that he saw the dog around 10.45 a.m. when he was outside playing catch with his own dog. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, who's really looking at their watch and remembering exactly what time they yeah. saw a dog? I don't know. Um, an unnamed female neighbor told the Modesto Bee, which I think is a newspaper, um, that she had found their dog with a muddy leash around the, around the neighborhood and that she put him back in the Peterson's backyard and like nothing seemed out of place. Mm-hmm. So multiple people like, said they saw the dog at least. Or put him back in the yard. Yeah, yeah. by them. So like, who knows? Maybe the dog got out a couple times. Yeah. Who knows? So Well, the dog also, if he knew that something had happened to her. He might have been trying. Might have been trying to get out to get help. Yeah. I mean, dogs do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
that is, I think, and I think there were reports of different people saying they saw Lacey walking the dog or they saw a pregnant woman walking a dog. And so, and all at different times in different areas. So it's like, no one's really sure. Yeah. Like it's very complicated, which is why it's like, Scott does have a timestamp saying he's somewhere else, but it's also like, who knows? Things are messy. Yeah. Well, it's like if you walk your dog every single day and you pass the same people, like I would not remember if I saw that person what like, day yeah, yeah monday or tuesday i don't know like that's true <laughs> that's very true especially like around the holidays no yeah. one really knows what's happening yeah. so scott said that after about 90 minutes he um like fishing he took his boat back to the warehouse that's a pretty short time to go fishing yeah and i don't like think it was like super close like i don't think it was really far away but it's like why go to the effort to 90 minutes that's yeah why don't you just go golfing for the afternoon like <laughs> i mean i, I and i'm not a person that fishes but i feel like usually like you do you it plan for hours. to do it for hours because like you don't know How, if you'll catch anything. Yeah, yeah. So he said ninety minutes. And if you're haul- he was hauling his boat. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work. Yeah. So he said ninety minutes. No. Sydney <laughs> is unimpressed. I'm not. <laughs> um, Scott also said that he got home in the afternoon and the house was empty. And he told Sharon, Lacey's mom, that Mackenzie, the dog, was in the backyard. But Sharon said that later Scott was denying this. And so I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just all weird. Scott was, has started acting strange at yeah. this point. Um, he also said he started to wash his clothes and he showered since he was wet from fishing. So. <laughs> okay. What a weird, but you're like, uh, Lacey's car was in the driveway, but she was not there. Okay. So it's like, quote, you know, she might not be there. Who knows? <laughs> Interesting. This is like in the afternoon. So now we're going to get into the investigation part. Mm-hmm. We're going to start going. So there's a couple different sources had different like reports on who reported Lacey missing. Okay. Um, ABC News said that Scott reported her missing, but the New York Post and Modesto B reported that when Lacey hadn't come home by 5.15 p.m., Scott called Sharon, Lacey's mom, and then 30 minutes later, her stepdad, Ron, called the police. Hmm. And more so, and more people are say, said that that is said what happened. That, yeah. So it's okay. like, why did you like interesting you waited a while to be like oh where is my wife like yeah yeah so the police got to the peterson's house that night on december 24th still and they found Lacey's purse with her keys wallet and sunglasses in it hanging in the closet and the dining table was set for their christmas the next day with their family (laughs) yeah a detective also noticed there was a full page ad for a defense lawyer open in a phone book sitting on the kitchen counter and that Scott seemed just pretty calm with everyone, like not okay. panicked that his white pregnant wife is missing. Like, yeah, can't you can't judge someone's great. Like, it's just yeah. like he could be in shock. He could just be acting strange. Who knows? But the implication is that Scott was looking, that. yeah, okay, looking yeah. for a defense lawyer. Or it's like, what a coincidence. Yeah, what a weird thing. But like, they wrote it down. So it's mm-hmm. like, who knows? So the lead investigators on the case were a man named John Bueller and a man named Alan Brocchini. <laughs> like almost like broccoli. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember Brocchini. watching, the, <laughs> watching oh, yeah. the documentary and talking about his name. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were Modesto police detectives and they were the ones who questioned Scott that night. Everyone's pretty suspicious of him at this point because, you know, most acts of violence are committed by people that people that the victims knew it's like that tiktok i know oh there was a tiktok of a maid of honor speech and she was like this is the person that is statistically most likely to kill you <laughs> to murder she was you. like look deeply in each other's eyes yeah. <laughs> it was um, funny anyway it's like funny but like not <laughs> yeah no not in actual no. circumstance i could imagine one of us saying that to each other as a joke but oh yeah not funny actually but but like kind, kind of funny <laughs> 
anyway, <laughs> so the detectives tried to give Scott like quote unquote tests and like opportunities to be honest about details and like to prove his innocence. They were like, do you want to take a polygraph test to like yeah. be honest? And multiple times he refused to do that. Okay. Which it's like, they're not admissible in court anyway, yeah. but it's like, well, it's like, it's, why not just it's, take it to rule yeah, yourself out? Like, it's like, your right to refuse it. Yeah. But also like, it never looks good. good. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So at this point, Scott started saying that, you know, he spent his day going golfing, but then he told the police that he actually went to the Berkeley Marina to fish for sturgeon. Just like, okay. what a weird thing. To switch doing. Uh, he said he was fishing about uh, 90 miles from their house. 90 miles? Minutes. Yeah. That's with 90 far. minutes. Yeah. Who kn- so that could have been like out in the water plus like the drive there. Who knows? But well, like he said he was like far from his house. It's far. Like it would take longer on the water. So yeah. it's like that's at least an hour and a half there and back yeah. to be on the water for an hour Not- and a half. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Um, Scott also left a message on Lacey's phone at 2.15 p.m. that day. And he said, hey, beautiful, it's 2.15. I'm leaving Berkeley. Okay. It's like, what a weird, not just like, hey, I'm on my way home. I would never be like, it is this time. I'm leaving this location. Like it kind of, It feels just like an alibi. Yeah. Yeah. Did they check like mileage in his car or anything like that? Could they? I mean, I I guess if you have nothing to like compare it to. Yeah. It doesn't. But I was just curious. And it's like 2002. So the cars don't have like tracking. Like trip. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because like cars now like will keep track of like you went this far on this trip or whatever. Yeah. I don't think they have that information. Yeah. So pretty quickly, the detectives were starting to look for Lacey. They were like, this is weird. They were thrown off by Scott's behavior. Uh, In 2017... Uh, Detective Bueller from the case, he was talking to ABC News and he said, quote, I suspected Scott when I first met him. Didn't mean he did it, but I was a little bit thrown off by his calm, cool demeanor and his lack of questioning. He wasn't, will you call me back? Can I have one of your cards? What are you guys doing now? Like, yeah. End quote. So it's like, that makes sense. Yeah. I would be concerned. Really. Well, it's like, it's good to be a little bit suspicious yeah. and then you investigate further. Yes. It's like. And then you can rule it out if you, exactly. you can. Yeah. So Scott seemed unconcerned. Police were making note of the fact that Scott didn't remember details of his fishing trip. Like, what bait did you use? And like, he wasn't really concerned about his wife, but he was concerned about things like his car door hitting another car door in the driveway, a detective taking a picture of his boat in the warehouse, police obtaining a receipt for Lacey's like slippers and sunglasses for the tracking dogs to you. Like, Mm -hmm. he was just concerned about very weird yeah, that's things. interesting. Um, detectives also said Scott was being strange when there was a search warrant for their home and he was hesitant to cooperate and he just kind of seemed to be protecting himself. Yeah. So um, the search for Lacey began the next day with the Modesto police firefight and firefighters along um, Dry Creek. And this included water rescue unit on rafts, police on horseback and bicycles, canine units, and helicopters with searchlights. So they pulled out all, all the, stops, the stops. Yeah, it's a pregnant woman. Makes sense. Yeah. So um, there were about thirty officers, and Lacey's friends and family started to get involved, and other volunteers. They were like putting up flyers, trying to get the word out about her disappearance. Uh, Detective Brocchini said in a press conference that they did not think Lacey would just leave without telling her family because yeah. that's out of character for her, which makes sense. She's pretty close to her family. I'm glad that someone's finally believing people when they say it's out of character. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like most of the time in these stories, they're like, eh, 
It'll be fine. Yeah, they could have been just yeah. sketchy. So I'm you glad know. they're finally. Yeah. At least in this case, they listened. Maybe because since she was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the first two days, around 900 people were helping look for Lacey. And her immediate family and close friends set up a vigil for her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott didn't want to speak at the vigil, but he did attend. Okay. Which, that feels fair. I can understand that. I wouldn't want, I don't like public speaking, yeah. so I wouldn't want to do that either. Yeah. So um, While at the vigil, photographers... We're taking pictures and there are two specific photos that were brought up later in Scott's trial and are pretty damning in the court of public opinion even. Like okay. one is Scott by his niece with a big smile on his face. Oh god. The other is him laughing with other people. <laughs> I'm looking these up. Yeah. Um people were yeah, not impressed by that. And also, while at the vigil, for his missing wife and baby, he called a secret girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's not a good look, dude. No. Can I see it again? <laughs> yeah, no. Like, not why are you look. laughing at her vigil? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why are you calling your secret girlfriend? All of it's so messed up. Yeah. So, pretty quickly, there was national media attention on the case. Yeah. And a reward was now being offered for any information people might have about Lacey. And it started at $25,000 and then went up to $250,000. For then, information? And then $500,000. Wow. Yeah. I think they're low. I think they got some money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, more and more posters were being put up. People were putting yellow and blue ribbons on things. And one of Lacey's friends' husbands started a website called LaceyPeterson.com. Okay. So, interesting. Um, her family and friends, along with some volunteers, set up a center for information about Lacey at the Red Lion Hotel. And they were able to get over 1,500 volunteers to sign up to continue the search. So, now we're going to step into uh scott's affairs a little bit yeah specifically his one with amber Frey. so uh lacy apparently knew of of an affair i'm not sure which okay. one or yeah. what all she knew but people were saying that she knew about something so his most recent was 27 year old amber Frey, who's a massage therapist and a single mother and she said in a 2020 interview that quote being a mother at that point it wasn't about me it was about finding this woman like she was gonna do something about yeah so she contacted the police on december 30 2002 to tell them about her relationship with scott after she found out he was a person of interest in Lacey's disappearance yeah like she didn't know Lacey existed she didn't know anything and yeah so once she knew about it she was like yeah i'm getting involved in this this poor woman i know she's a single mom yeah she was told he was single so it makes me sick yeah um amber said when she found out she was in shock and just crying had no idea like she was not sure how long she was crying she was just like trembling um she told the police that scott had said on december 9th two weeks before that he was a widower and it would be the first christmas without his wife that does not look good no no No. it doesn't look good no it looks terrible for you. you yeah yeah um, Amber agreed to cooperate with the police and allowed them to record and listen in on her phone calls with Scott. Mm-hmm. And um, this is what Amber said about being recorded. Um, quote, as soon as we got it hooked up and discussed how it would work, he called. I was shaking tremendously, sweating, just a mess, trying to catch my breath. And the police were in disbelief. Like, I can't believe this guy just called her. Yeah. It's like, what are the odds? So overall, um, Amber helped record over 29 hours of phone calls with scott that is so much time to spend on the phone Phone. with someone yeah oh my gosh Mm -hmm. 
And I think the last recording they did was February 19th, 2003. So, yeah. That 29 hours, is that what it was? Yeah. In less than two months. Yeah. And you're not like seeing each other. You're just like talking on the phone for hours and hours. That's my nightmare. No. (laughs) Sounds terrible. (laughs) So, um, Back to the vigil thing. So while they were there, and they got this on, yes. they recorded this yeah. conversation. Um, while Scott was there, he told Amber that he was spending the new year in Paris with his friends. And so I do have a bit of the transcripts. So this is from the conversation at mm-hmm. the vigil. So I'm just gonna, it's gonna be a lot of back and forth. Yeah. That's so fine. Scott said, Amber, hey, happy new year's. Amber was like, happy new year. Scott, I wanted to call you. Amber, thank you. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> Amber, are you there? Amber said, I'm here. And Scott said, Amber? And Amber said, I wish you could hear me. And Scott said, I'm on the, uh, I think that you're there. I'm uh, near the Eiffel Tower and the New Year's celebration is unreal. The crowd is huge. And Amber said, the crowd's huge? Scott said, Amber? <laughs> it's like he can't hear anything because he's out of vigil for his yeah. missing wife and baby. Um, Amber said, yeah, I'm here. And Scott said, Amber, if you're there, I can't hear you right now, but I'll call you on your New Year's. So, okay. What a weird conversation to be having in the middle of that. Well, and it's like, did he like walk away from the vigil so people couldn't hear him on the phone? I'm or like, he what? had to have, right? People would be. People are like, what? why are why you on saying the on the phone that you're in Paris? Paris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looks weird. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so, on January 6, 2003, Scott finally admitted some things to Amber. And this was their conversation. So, Scott said, The girl I'm married to, her name is Lacey. And Amber said, uh-huh. <laughs> and Scott said, for the past two weeks, I've been in Modesto with my, with her family and mine searching for her. And Amber said, okay. And Scott said, she just disappeared and no one knows. And Amber said, okay now. <laughs> and Scott said, where she's been. Okay. And then Amber said, Scott. And he said, and I, I can't tell you more because I, I need you to be protected from the media and your daughter. Or like, and your daughter yeah. be protected. Yeah. yeah. Just like, you're not worried about your kid, but you're worried about this lady's yeah. kid. Yeah. I mean, it's all like, oh. Yeah. It's so fake. Like, oh, yeah. Amber said, okay. And then Scott said, okay, they are amazing. Not sure what that means. Like, and then Amber said, Scott, are you are you listening? And Scott said, I am. And then Amber said, you came to me earlier in December and told me that you lost your wife. What was that about? <laughs> she just said, okay, I'm coming. Yeah. And then Scott said, she she's alive. And then 15 minutes later, while still on the phone, Scott said that he told, like, he said, like, admitted that he told Amber on December 9th that Lacey had gone missing. And then he talked about how... Or that his wife had died? Oh, yeah, had died. Yeah, or that he had lost his wife, sorry. Um, I I had it written differently, and I read the wrong word. Um, And then he also, like, talked about how he was going to be spending his first holiday without Lacey. Like, it's just so weird. Um. And then Amber said, yeah, and I deserve to understand an explanation of why you told me you lost your wife and this was the first holidays you'd spend without her. That was December 9th and you told me this and now all of a sudden your wife's missing. Are you kidding me? Did you hear me? And Scott said, I did. I I don't know what to say to you. I, and Amber said, I think an explanation would uh, be a start. <laughs> and Scott said, I know you deserve an explanation. And she said, yes, I do. I do. And he said, and I want to give you one. She said, I'm listening. And he said, I, I can't now. I mean, you don't understand. It is a wonder that this man did not realize that their conversations were being like taped and listened in. She's just like, "Uh uh-huh, keep going. Well, and she's like, she was like, yeah, you said this to me on December 9th, like has like dates and stuff like because she's been talking with police about it. Yeah. It's a wonder that he did not think like, why do you remember the date and like stuff like like, I'm just, he's stupid. Yeah. If he didn't think that she like 
knew what was going on yeah. and was like talking to people about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's on him, you know. Oh yeah. Like I'm glad that he was stupid. Yeah. But still. Yeah. So no one, not Scott, his family, Lacey's family, no one knew about the affair or the recording. Like yeah. the police knew about it, you know. So in mid-January 2003, the Modesto police found out that the National National Enquirer had a picture of Amber and Scott. Then they were planning to publish it on January or no, they're just planning to publish it. And yeah. then on January 4th, Amber Frey spoke at a press conference saying that she had a relationship with Scott and that he had told her that he was single. Mm-hmm. So um, the day after the press conference, Scott called Amber and this was their conversation. Okay. Scott said, um, I called you last night just to, um, well, I wanted to say how brave you are and I'm really glad that you did that. And Amber said, it wasn't a matter of choice. And he said, what's that? And she said, it really wasn't a matter of choice. I was, uh, they were staked out at my work all day. And then Scott said, I know, but still it's incredibly brave. It just shows what an amazing character you have. And then he started talking about how he was going to talk to the press. Well, it's like, I mean, he's not wrong. It does show what great character she She has, has. but also it's like, she's right. She's a woman. Yeah. And so the press is going to tear her apart. Yeah. For being this adulteress, even though she didn't know. Yeah. He lied to her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what else was she going to do? Just let the narrative be written without. Yeah. yeah. All she can do at that point is say her side of everything. Yeah. Yeah, this is what Scott started to say. Yeah. He said, okay, now I need to know from you. Um, I am going to um, speak at the press this coming week or speak to the press. It's like, he doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, Amber said, when? And he said, during this coming week. And then she said, do you have a date? And he said, um, well, I'm debating on when it should be. And she said, okay. And he said, because Tuesday is um, the State of the Union address. And she said, okay. <laughs> and he said, so that will take up, you know, a lot of time. She said, I know it will. He's literally, like, trying to figure out when he'll get the most, like, viewers. Ready? Oh, my gosh. And um, I want maximum coverage, obviously. Uh, so it will probably be um, with Good Morning America. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't. Mm, yeah, no. I can't. Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> so this is pretty much when Lacey's family was like, we're turning on him. Like, yeah. he is. he has done something. Yeah. You know? Um, in late January of that year, Scott went on Good Morning America and talked with Diane Sawyer. He told her that the police knew immediately on December 24th, 2002, that he was having an affair, which is not true. They did not know that. Yeah. Um, And he said that Lacey knew about the affair and that she was, quote, okay with it. (laughs) And obviously, people are going to be upset by that statement. And they're also upset because he referred to Lacey in the past tense by saying she was amazing. Yeah. So um, now we're going to talk about the discovery of some bodies. Mm Mm-hmm. And trigger warning, Mm -hmm. this is a little, like, a little graphic, more graphic than sometimes, and just very hard to listen to if people don't want to. Um, So on January 5th of that year, divers had searched the marina that Scott Peterson had been fishing at, but they didn't find anything. Mm -hmm. So then jump ahead about four months to April 13th, 2003, um, a couple was walking their dog in a marshy area of the San Francisco Bay in Richmond's Point isabel regional shoreline park okay what a name which is north of berkeley anyone knows where they are I don't cool know they um and they discovered the decomposing but well-preserved body of a late-term male fetus mm-hmm. i can't i can't imagine yeah. i really can't um the autopsy results for the fetus were sealed by a judge but an anonymous source for the associated press reported that 1.5 loops of nylon tape were found around the neck and there was a significant cut on the body 
Mm-hmm. So not sure who told that, but that's yeah. what I said. Um, the next day, April 14th, someone found the body of a recently pregnant woman washed up on the eastern rocky shoreline of the San Francisco Bay, about a mile away from where the baby was found. And the woman was wearing beige pants and a maternity bra. Mm-hmm. Um, this body was not well preserved. Um, it was decomposed and pretty unrecognizable as a human. And Ugh. she was decapitated and her limbs were missing in most of her, like most of her legs. Yeah. So... Just very rough. Awful. DNA was tested, and on April 18th, 2003, it was verified that the bodies were Lacey and Connor, mm-hmm. unborn baby. Um, so the forensic pathologist that performed the autopsy was Dr. Brian Peterson. Not related. Yeah. Just kind of confusing. Um, so Connor's skin was not decomposed, like, at all, but the right side of his body was kind of messed up. Okay. So, like, um, there's a couple different reports about like how he was found. Um, one from ABC News said that his umbilical cord was still attached. Um, the San Francisco Chronicle said that it looked to be torn instead of clamped and cut. Yeah. But then later at the end of May of that year, ABC was reporting that the autopsy said the umbilical cord and placenta were not found with the body at all. So hmm. that's just like unknown. Like, yeah. No one's for sure what happened. Um. Lacey's cause of death and her exact date of her death has never been determined. Um, she had two cracked ribs, but Dr. Peterson couldn't determine if this was pre or post-mortem. Yeah. Um, her surface, cervix was still intact. Her upper torso had no internal organs except for her uterus, which is believed to have protected Connor's body from decomposition. Like, I think he's... Okay. It's very confusing. Like, I don't understand... So he, like, stayed in her body for a, for a while. Yeah. Okay. I think. Um, Dr. Peterson said that the baby died in utero and that he was removed somehow from Lacey's body postmortem. But later in court, he conceded that he could not determine if Connor had been born alive when this happened. So it's very confusing. Like, did he come out of her body and then was put back in like i don't understand because if he hadn't tape around him yeah i have no idea i was confused while i was reading this part well yeah and that's that has always confused me about this yeah and it's also confusing because technically his report is sealed sealed, so So it's like like that could be completely untrue Yeah, yeah we don't know anything um, another thing that was said was that there was evidence of meconium in Connor's bowels, which is the first like stool that is passed when a baby is born. So it's like that was there. So supposedly we don't, I mean, yeah. how do I really, I don't really know, but those were all the details that I found on this. So it's just okay. like, kind of confusing, but yeah, rough. <laughs> yeah. But so they were identified as Lacey and Connor on April 18th. And on April 18th, 2003, Scott Peterson was arrested Yeah, um, near La Jolla, La, Ho- mm, La Jolla, La Jolla, maybe. Yeah, probably. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, golf course in San Diego. Um, Scott told the police. Just that, out golfing? Uh, he was on his way to meet up with his brother and dad for a game of golf. Ugh. But when he was met by the police, things were a little bit strange. Mm-hmm. His dark hair was dyed blonde. His Mercedes was, quote, overstuffed and had things like 12 Viagra tablets, um, survival gear, nearly $15,000 in cash, camping equipment, clothes, four cell phones, and two driver's license. One belonged to him and one was his brother's. So he was going to run. Oh, yeah. His dad, Lee Peterson, said that Scott just had his brother's ID because the other day he was trying to get a residential discount at a golf course in San Diego and that all the other stuff was in his car because the media attention was too much. So he was living out of his car, basically. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah, because everyone, especially people who live in their cars, keep $1,500 on them. 15000 15000 Yeah. No way. No way. No. Like, first of all, you don't keep that kind of cash anyway. No. Especially if you're living in your car. Someone can easily yeah. break your window and just also, take that. Also, living in your car is not private. Why would he not just stay in his home? Yeah. Like, stay in your home where he can draw the blinds. Yeah. And, like, no one can see you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, police and prosecutors ultimately took these things as a sign that Scott Peterson was planning to flee the country. Yeah. Likely to Mexico is what they were thinking. So Scott's arraignment happened on April 21st, 2003 in Stan... I cannot say it. Stanislaus. I don't even think that's right, but who knows? Uh, County Superior Court before Judge Nancy Ashley. Uh, he was charged with two felony counts of murder with special circumstances and premeditation. He pleaded not guilty. Yeah. Um, many, many, many people in that county had already made up their minds that Scott yeah. was guilty. So Judge Al... Oh my God. Girolami, Girolami. Oh, these people's names are very difficult. Um, moved his trial to to san mateo county for a far more fair trial but not that much fair but there's media attention everywhere so yeah. it's like i yeah, mean right. you can more do fair, what you, you did what, they did what they could i yeah, mean to make it fair yeah. yeah so um his trial did not actually begin though until june 1st 2004 kristen's birthday she would want me to Shout say that and actually april 21st the day was, is my dad's birthday so we've had all the birthdays all the birth all your family's birthdays <laughs> yeah Oh, June 1st is your brother's birthday. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> Our siblings have the same birthday. So it started on June 1st, 2004. And on November 12th, 2004, it took months for this trial. Yeah. Um, he was convicted of first-degree murder for Lacey Peterson's death and second-degree murder for Connors. Mm -hmm. um, Scott Peterson was sentenced to death by Judge Alfred A. DeLucci, De who said that Lacey's murder was, quote, cruel, uncaring, heartless, and callous. So. Okay. It's pretty, yeah. Uh, fast forward many years now to March 2019. Yeah. Um, Governor Gavin Newsom of California issued a moratorium for all 737 prisoners on death row in California, which included Scott Peterson. Um, if you don't know what that means, it means that there's a temporary suspension of executions and sometimes rarely death sentences. So I think that they don't give them out at that time. Yeah. Um, this just postponed all his executions for as long as he is governor. Yeah. California had not executed a prisoner since 2006 because of like legal challenges. Mm -hmm. And this moratorium spared 25 prisoners who had exhausted all of their legal appeals. And if the legal challenges were resolved, they could have been executed. Yeah. Like, at that point. Um, it's, I think it's expected that Governor Newsom will be reelected this year in 2022. And so he would then not leave office until 2027. Yeah. So that extends it, it further. It extends the stay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Scott's sister-in-law, Janie Peterson, was relieved about the moratorium, but she was telling people, like, this Scott might be unaffected by this because his legal appeals probably won't be exhausted by then anyways, so, yeah. like, it might not be completely off the table at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, Scott's family is pretty adamant that he's innocent, and they work a lot to clear his name, which yeah. I'm just, like, I think that's what the part... That would make me not 100% sure. Like, enough for the death sentence. I would feel okay saying he's guilty. Yeah. But I don't think I would be okay giving him the death sentence for a couple of, But it's also yeah. just like, I don't feel like I've ever seen someone's family be so, like, mm -hmm. adamant that they're really, like, yeah. didn't do it. 
yeah. unless they're terrible people also and mm-hmm. like they know it happened and they don't care but her family Lacey's family is like he did it 100% yeah. so I think the family thing is what gets me confused yeah I get that um so on August 24th 2020 the Supreme Court of California upheld Scott Peterson's con Conviction and I'm just reading how I wrote some of these words. It's so incorrect. I was doing this so late at night and my contacts were out and I couldn't see. I was just like typing. Uh, they upheld his conviction in a seven to zero decision, um, but they did overturn his death sentence because the trial judge, Alfred DeLucci, who passed away in 2008, had actually dismissed jurors who were in opposition of capital punishment. And like he hadn't even asked them if they would like put their views aside for that. Okay. Which I think you have to. like yeah ask at least and because of u.s supreme court ruling since 1968 quote jurors may not be excused merely for opposition to the death penalty but only for views rendering them unable to fairly consider imposing that penalty in accordance with their oath this is the meaning of the guarantee of an impartial jury okay and so um another judge justice leandra kruger explained that so if that trial judge had not done that he might still so yeah yeah so what is his sentence now do you know i'm about to tell okay yeah <laughs> um prosecutors said that first they wanted to like retry for the death penalty but then in june 2021 they reversed that choice i think Lacey's family was just like tired and wanted i wouldn't want to be- go through any more no yeah and so on september 22nd 2021 judge ann christine masulo of the california superior court scheduled scott peterson to be resentenced in november 2021 but then on it like got pushed a little bit i think and on december 8th 2021 scott peterson was resentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for first degree murder of lacy and a concurrent sentence of 15 years of life 15 years to life for the second degree murder of connor peterson Mm. so um lacy and connor's death this is like the aftermath yeah um their deaths led to the Unborn Victims of Violent a Violence Act um, to be created and passed, which is also known as Lacey and Connor's Law. Mm-hmm. Um, on April 1st, 2004, Sharon and Ron, Lacey's mom and stepdad, um, were invited and attended the signing of the bill into a law at the White House with President George W. Bush. Um, this law would provide under federal law that any person who causes death or injury to an unborn child while in the commission of a crime upon a pregnant woman will be charged with a separate offense good um october 21st 2005 uh, a judge in the california superior court ruled that scott was not able to collect the two hundred fifty thousand dollars life insurance policy on lacy since he was convicted criminals are not able to profit yeah, from good. insurance policies <laughs> under california state law that i would say that that is a good law <laughs> yeah um the money was then given to sharon on december 19th 2005 since she was the executor of lacy's estate that's her mom. Mom, okay. yeah. Um, this decision was later affirmed in the Court of Appeals on October 31st, 2007. Um, Sharon went on to write a book entitled For Lacey, A Mother's Story of Love, Loss, and Justice in 2006. Oh. You know, and it was a memoir and biography about Lacey. Um, any money made from the sales are used to fund the Lacey and Connor Search and Rescue Fund. And the book was listed at number one on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list on January 29th, 2006. Oh. Yeah. And I didn't write this down, but Lacey's dad and stepdad have both passed away, and I think they're both, like, buried near her. Oh. Yeah. But it's, like, so heartbreaking. And, like, I think at this point, I think he did it. Yeah. Definitely watching the documentary the first time, I was like, I don't know. Like, I was like, I'm conflicted. But now I'm like, "Eh." 
Honestly, I'm like, I'm surprised they did get a conviction because I feel like there's not like a whole lot of like hard evidence. Yeah. Like there's no DNA evidence that he was. Yeah. It's like a lot of circumstantial evidence. I'm surprised he got the death penalty. I'm surprised he got the death penalty, too. Like, I do think that he did it. Yeah. But like I said, there's no like there's no DNA. There's no No. like fingerprints. There's nothing that like. There's no, like, evidence of, like, there's no murder weapon or something, like. Well, they don't even know how she died. No. So, it's, like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she was murdered. Yeah. But. Like, how else would she end up in the water? But it's, like, yeah, there's nothing, like, concrete. Yeah. So. It's very, it's yeah. a very interesting case. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think he did it. But yeah. I'm glad that he's just got life in prison. prison. Yeah. He can think about what he's yeah. done. I don't know if he actually thinks about it that much, but. He should. He should. Yeah. <laughs> I hope people make him think about it. For real. But yeah. And I also like with his family, I understand like not wanting to believe that he could do that. Mm-hmm. But I also want to be like, did you know they had two affairs? Yeah. Like you're not going to know everything about right. someone's life, no. especially if they want to keep it a secret. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's very messy. So messy. But I'm my glad. heart hurts. I know. For her and for Connor and their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that they don't actually know it. I'm glad yeah. as like terrible as how their bodies were found. I'm glad they were found so they could be laid to rest. And like yes, their family absolutely. could have closure of like knowing at least and not like living with the unknown of a disappearance. Yeah. Like that is all that's hard in a different way. But yeah. And yeah. I'm glad that they like sealed like the baby's autopsy and stuff. Yeah. It's like her family doesn't need to know those details no. because it's like it's all heartbreaking enough. So yeah. 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 I hope they can like find peace and like yeah rest in knowing that he's not going anywhere and just yeah, like absolutely being punished. Makes me sad. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Do we need a palate cleanser? Yeah. Maybe. So if you don't know, we have um, palate cleansers, which are essentially it's just a list of quotes, mostly from Katie. Sometimes other people. Sometimes other people, but I mostly hang out with Katie, so yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. Any good ones? I mean, ah, <laughs> uh, oh boy. Well, I mean, there's some good ones. We we mentioned last week or maybe the week before that we've been playing a lot of Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. Well, there's a couple. I have several on here about Mario Kart, actually. <laughs> but Katie said, quote, people who like Rainbow Road are the next Ted Bundy. <laughs> so um, if you Rainbow like Rainbow Road, Road. so terrible. It really, I don't like it. No, I'm so, so bad at it. If you like Rainbow Road, can you let us know why? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll change my opinion on that. If you can I just want to know why. Argument. But anyway. Um, that was a good one. Yeah. I'm so funny. You're so funny. <laughs> but you guys should follow us on all the things. On Instagram at Something Sick Podcast or on Twitter at A Sick Podcast or on TikTok at Something Sick Podcast. Or send us an email, Something Sick Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next time, homies. Peace out.